This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, we are welcoming back marriage and family therapist Travis Goodman to the show. Travis had joined us for episode 144, Adjusting to Becoming a Dad, and today he is here to discuss lack of intimacy after baby. In this episode, we unpack how common it is to lack intimacy after baby. Can both partners be the one that lack desire? Why do so many couples go through a lull or struggle with this in the postpartum period? And how you can talk to your partner about it, connect with them, and foster intimacy in different ways other than just physically. We've had conversations similar to this on the podcast before, but I think it's so important to have a father's perspective in the conversation. Let's dive into this episode with Travis. I've been hearing from a lot of mamas who feel like they're at the end of their rope with their relationships. If you find yourself constantly at odds with your partner, boiling inside with resentment at the unfair distribution of responsibilities or avoiding sex and intimacy, you are not alone. In the best of times, relationships can feel like an uphill battle. When you factor in the pandemic and the increased load that most moms have taken on, it's no wonder so many of us are struggling. But when you leave the resentment unchecked, it creates even more problems. Arguing in front of the kids, struggles with intimacy, and lower self-esteem and satisfaction in your relationship. Lack of intimacy and resentment become a vicious cycle, shaking up even the best of relationships. Dr. Asherine Areem, Psyched Mummy, and I have created something for those of you who find yourselves in that cycle. The Reconnect Bundle, how to move past unfairness in your relationship and build real connection. The bundle includes two powerful relationship workshops, unpacking resentment and navigating intimacy. We cover the different types of intimacy, building safety and emotional connection, how to remove the roadblocks that are preventing intimacy, communicating in productive ways, redistributing the parenting load in a fair way, even if it's not equal, how to break out of common cycles and patterns that break down relationships and so much more. You don't have to sit back and watch your relationship fall into disharmony. You don't have to bottle up your feelings to avoid conflict until it festers and damages your intimacy. We can give you the tools you need to break the cycle and reconnect with your partner. Go to happyasamother.co slash reconnect to get your relationship back on track. That's happyasamother.co slash reconnect. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we're dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. We all had expectations going into motherhood, but reality often has a different plan. Let's work together in shattering unrealistic expectations, letting go of shame and guilt, and accepting where we are on our motherhood journey. We'll pack a toolbox for motherhood with expert advice, practical tips, relatable stories, real moments, and honest conversations. My goal is to give you the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to parent more freely. However, this podcast should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. It's time to do motherhood differently, toss out the idea of perfect, and enjoy the journey. Let's dive in. 
Travis, thank you so much for taking the time to join us again today. We got into our conversation last time about dads adjusting in the postpartum and supporting partners. And there's just so many topics for us to cover. It's such a big conversation and we definitely didn't get to enough of it in a one episode hour. So thanks for coming (laughs) back and joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah. I feel like this is a bit of a continuation, though it's not an official two-part series. I feel like this is a little bit of a branch off of a part of a conversation that we started in our previous episode where one of the things that partners, I think both partners, like the relationship in general can have trouble with adjusting to postpartum is like the changes that happen in our relationships. Hey? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big adjustment for everybody, dads, moms, everyone. You know, there's so much changes going on and with a little one or second little one or third little one or, four, you know, depending on how many littles you have, the whole family goes through finding a new, I think, balance, new dynamic, new normal, new everything. So it is kind of a big adjustment. I've got mom's perspective. I've got mom's perspective nailed, you know, hammered out. I've got like, The common things that come up in sessions are things like feeling touched out, feeling a lack of desire, feeling like, you know, we've got this baby that we're feeding all day long or nursing, you know, and feeling just like our brain is full of all the new things. And then there's also, I feel like other hormonal factors that play into this adjustment and and intimacy postpartum is like, when you're nursing, breastfeeding, pumping, there might be like vaginal dryness and other just actual, mm-hmm. you know, hormonal things that are impacting intimacy. So I want to kind of bring you in and we want to round out this discussion from, I feel like everybody's perspective, because you work with couples, you probably see more perspectives mm-hmm. than just sort of my angle on the, the yeah. topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so from your perspective, working with couples and working with like helping partners adjust, what are some of the challenges that come up relationally or like intimacy speaking? Yeah, I think the big one I think is adjusting to what does intimacy look like now in just immediately following postpartum, uh, that first few months, first six months, first year. And I think a big thing I've seen with that is just an unawareness. You know, no one's talked about what that looks like. There's a lot of assumptions I think that come in that things go back to how they were. And, and for some people, things do go kind of sort of pseudo back kind of quickly. And there's such a variance because birth has such an impact on obviously specifically mothers. There's a significant spectrum on the birthing process and how was the birth? Was it cesarean? Was it vaginal? There's all these medical things that happen too, like not to be graphic, is there tearing? Not, you know, to what degree? I mean, and there's so many things that happen that the woman's body goes through. And then you got the hormones. And then even dads, dads have hormone shifts too. I mean, there's literature showing that dads have hormone shift as well. So I think the big thing is there's a lack of conversation around it or even even prep of what to expect because often birth classes are focused on the birth and yeah what to expect on the day you know have your go bag ready which is good but after that there's just not a lot of conversation and I'm generalizing no one's really talking about what that looks like intimacy relationship following and there is such a variance but I do know more often than not it doesn't look how it once looked at least initially right and how do we navigate this as a couple how do we have conversation about it? How do we 
both have a space to talk because both parties are kind of going through their own changes, especially if it's not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. There could be assumptions made. There could be expectations made. There could be maybe someone even desires to engage in intimacy on that kind of level, but maybe bodily, the body is not following, like you mentioned, dryness, where maybe I've worked with a couple where mentally the wife wanted to engage, but physically there was a disconnect. And then that caused frustration and that caused the, you know all these emotions coming up. So there's such an array of this, but I think the big thing is lack of conversation, lack of both people just being able to be open about it and to kind of hold each other's space and to seek to understand because they're both going through a shift. Even dads who maybe that was a primary way of feeling connected and close to their partner were through some level of physical intimacy, not necessarily always, you know, sex, but at least maybe closeness, cuddling, and maybe like you were mentioning earlier, maybe mom is feeling a little touched out, Mm -hmm. but then dad doesn't get that concept. And maybe mom isn't fully communicating that, but just is like done. And then dad feels like, oh, maybe not loved or not wanted, or maybe feels in competition with now the baby, like kind of subconsciously, like what the heck, you know, and, and then there's no conversation happening and that can drive a wedge between both parties involved. And so I think the big thing is the conversation and a lack of it and a lack of how to have it, you know, not trying to hurt feelings and how to talk about this topic. Mm. That's one thing I see as far as a common theme is just allowing the couples to let's have a conversation. Let's just talk. How do we have the reality of the hormone changes, the medical changes, the healing? How do we hear each other and how do we feel connected now in this kind of space? You know, are we sleeping? Are we not sleeping? I mean, there's so many factors that go into this, but I think really it's the, it's the conversation. We need to start with how do we connect? How do we have a conversation? How do we hear each other? Because we both have needs. We're both in a different phase in this. And how do we kind of work as a team, come back to teamwork, which I think I might've mentioned in our first interview is how do we come to that place of seeking to understand each other so we can walk alongside with one another to support each other with where we are Mm -hmm. and knowing that this is a season and the season won't last forever it's going to change and I, i can't tell you when that will change because it's so different for everybody but it will change you will find another new normal eventually but this initial phase it's such a drastic change yeah Yeah, I remember so distinctly with my first and being pregnant and feeling uncomfortable. And I will preface this by saying, when I talk about this on Instagram and in stories, some mothers say, well, actually, I'm the high desire partner. And Mm. so this feels like I can't relate to it. And I've actually done some polling to see sort of who is like where Mm -hmm. in this. And of course, sort of anecdotal just through my platform. Yeah. But usually moms, like when they've answered 80% of the time, their partner is the higher desire one, but 20% Mm -hmm. of the time mom is the higher desire from my community and what I could gather. But my experience going into pregnancy, we were like, you know, newlyweds and have our like freedom and could like lay around in bed all weekend Mm -hmm. and do whatever we wanted. And then getting pregnant and feeling really just like ill and all of these things. Yeah. Like shifted so much of like my desire and being in the mood and any of that. But one of the things I think in the communication that you're talking about that is really difficult is that we all have our own like rule book when it comes to sex and how we talk about sex and what is comfortable to talk about. I come from an evangelical Christian upbringing, which I'm trying to unlearn some of and find that a lot of 
like sexual conversations have a lot of weight and meaning to them outside of just the interaction, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's definitely a big component to the conversation too. You know, what what was the conversation prior to baby? What did they, because some people just don't even talk about it. Yeah. I've had couples in my office that we just don't talk about it. It's like a non... Right. And I think even that is even helping bring, how do we have healthy conversation about this? Again, another variance of what is okay and not okay to talk about, even within the evangelical world from like, we don't talk about it to, hey, we're fine with it. I mean, there's such a range. Right. But I think all those things play a part for sure. They all do. And I think those are other layers of that can cause shame or guilt or a whole bunch of other things. I'm not enough. I mean, there's a lot really, if we unpack this, I mean, it's really dependent upon the couple and the person. What is their story around this? Have they talked about it? Do they feel comfortable? Is it, is it wrong? Is it good? Is it shameful? Is it healthy? Is it in anywhere in between? And, you know, to use your example, uh, and I've worked with some couples that, you know, evangelical couples and not that it's bad to be evangelical mm-hmm. Christian, but Sometimes within that space is like, we don't talk. It could be dirty, right? There could be this. There's a purity culture there where it's like, so up until you're married, if like, if you're in a religious environment, sex is seen as a very sort of negative thing. Right. And so when you are married and whatever goes, but then when you hit like pregnancy or motherhood or children, and you're not used to having open dialogue about these things, Right. right? Right. Yeah. You go from, we can never talk about it to now all of a sudden you're supposed to talk about it. Right. But there's, for most of the people i worked with that have been in that sphere, there's been no model. For how? How to talk about it? How do you have a healthy conversation around this? And there really isn't, there hasn't been that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what do we do here? The transition from bad to it's supposed to be good all of a sudden. Mm. I think it's not always an easy mental shift to be like, okay, now we can talk about it. Because for most of your life, and I'm, we're generalizing here, obviously, yeah. with these individuals, is that most of life it's been bad, shame, I can't. And so also now it's fine. Now I could, how do I have a conversation? What do I say? What's not okay? What's appropriate, not appropriate? That can be very confusing. And so with those couples, obviously I tread very lightly and slowly, gracefully, empathetically, but bringing it in saying, hey, this is a healthy thing. And how do we expand the dialogue around intimacy for men and for women? You know, how do we begin to look at the body as a good thing? You know, and I know even with religious things where I'm not the person's priest or pastor or whatever, but I try to listen to them first and say, okay, how do I help them have a more healthier view of this? So there's no shame around it because that shame piece just adds this other layer of just, you know, anxiety, in some cases, depression, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it could drive a wedge. And I think I've seen people suffer. It's like, well, how do we have a good conversation where we can celebrate this? Because I can say that there is a celebration of the body in evangelical world too. I grew up in also in a similar environment where we just didn't talk about it. It wasn't yeah. shamed. It was just, there's no conversation. Yeah. So I remember when I, we went there, I'm like, I don't even know how to talk about this right. early on. Right. So it wasn't shame for me. It was just an absence, like a void of where do we begin and having to learn the dialogue and, hey, actually, it's okay to talk about this stuff. And it's kind of like a skill set you have to develop of totally talking through it. But man, when you can talk about it and you can celebrate this as a couple and have grace for one another and walk with each other and kind of learn to hear where the other's at, it can be a very beautiful thing and often healing, but it takes time sometimes. Like some of those things, man, can be really hard to get over. 
And some people have kind of like, this has been going around, I've seen it lately, kind of the, the purity culture trauma, like the, you know, that, yeah. how do I heal from that? And there's a very, I think to some of you, very real, people have been really harmed by it. Absolutely. Real damage has been done. Now, I don't think that was the intention. Right. But it doesn't matter the intention. The byproduct mm-hmm. was there was a lot of trauma. I, in fact, I've dealt with couples that, man, their sex life was really damaged because of that. And there was all the shame and guilt and I'm a bad woman. I'm a bad mom. You know, I'm dirty. I'm like, no, you're not. Like mm-hmm. it got so skewed. Right. And that's affected, especially postpartum, even more so. Now the hormones. Now I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I, you know, why? And it goes back to performance. Why can't I perform? Must be something wrong with me. I'm broken. There's a lot of layers now that we're talking about this. Like, oh, yeah, there's so many layers depending on the couple. There really are. Like, I think that there's some really key, from like a woman's perspective, there are some really key things that we bring to the table. I think our religious upbringing, because often, depending on the environment, there is an interpretation of sexuality there. Mm-hmm. I think that just being a woman, generally speaking, you know, to be like meek and like nurturing and kind and not promiscuous and all of these things, like there are just narratives that play a role in how we approach and talk about sex, generally speaking. And I, yeah. I would say that a lot of people probably struggle to have an open dialogue. I don't know. Maybe that's just the people who end up working with me, but maybe yeah. some people are really effective at it. But at the end of the day, I think that when we don't learn the skills to have a conversation, I talk about this in terms of parenting with our kids too. Like when we don't talk to our children about what is happening, they're left to fill in the dialogue for themselves and Mm -hmm. make assumptions. And assumptions can be hurtful and they can create resentment and they can create a a gap in the relationship. And I think the same is true in our partnerships where if it's like, okay, we're not being intimate while pregnant, or while postpartum, and maybe there's initiations happening and the partner's feeling rejected or some sort of pattern is forming, like without open conversations, the assumptions or the feelings or the perceptions that somebody could walk away from a interaction like that with and not really understand the real core of what's going on. Mm. So I think that doing the work to find a dialogue that is neutral or like some neutral ground to have these conversations is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say be curious. Yeah. Be curious, you know, and, and, and because everyone's so unique, it's like I think each party coming in being curious about the other and about their partner, mm-hmm. you know, where is my partner now? What is their upbringing around this topic? Is there hurt there? And where are they now? You know, it's kind of, what's the history, which we do as therapists, like what's the history, what happened, where are you now? And I think if I often I model it with my couples and their individuals is that same practice of where'd you come from and where are you now? Mm-hmm. And how has that impacted the now? And do we need to do some changes and maybe some shift around healing around this idea or this topic or teaching some skills around this? Often what we do, and this is human nature, we tend to blame ourselves. We tend to hold resentment or we tend to be hurt. And so when we get hurt, we do what we usually do. And depending on how you've dealt with conflict in the past, Mm-hmm. what was modeled to you, you either classically, men shut down, classically don't talk about it. I'm very much generalizing. And so that creates more tension, more resentment for the man. So he doesn't talk about it. He feels hurt. And then the wife also, or the woman could also then not talk about it and get upset when she doesn't need to, but maybe is more that anxious attachment style or people pleasing, trying to make it happy, you know, mm-hmm. trying to just please, 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 overly please, but forgetting about herself. And so both can be out of balance. And that goes into the sex conversation too. And I think if we slow down and be curious and hear each other, what I tend to see with couples is a lot of empathy tends to build, a lot of understanding, 
a lot of patience, a lot of grace, a lot of like, I had no idea you were there. I had no, you know, a lot of, I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Mm. Thank you for telling me. Now I know this is really about me. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I can support you in this space, wherever that might be. And now that I know this about you, we can check in with each other about this. Like, you know, cause it's not necessarily, I don't want to be intimate or I don't want to be close to you, but it's like, there's other things that get in the way that, you know what, how can we say this not to harm the other, but to bring in and bring insight into where I'm at so my partner can see me. Mm-hmm. I could feel seen, heard, and validated and as a team. And that's actually the way forward. Because again, eventually, eventually, you will find a new rhythm of sex life. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you'll find a new rhythm of intimacy in that way. But you might have to have other avenues of finding some level of intimacy now because there might be certain things you just can't physically do or hormonally or maybe you're just surely exhausted because you've been cluster feeding for hours and hours and hours or maybe the husband's been up helping 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 so he's tired he's coming home and maybe his sex drive is low going to the women the 20 percent that say their sex drive is high well those men might be dealing with exhaustion and what's going to happen or they're dealing with postpartum depression yeah i was going to say that and one thing that happens when you're depressed or if you're exhausted or sleep deprived which can also look like depression is lower libido, lowered sex mm-hmm. drive. Mm-hmm. And it's not there. Yeah, And so being mindful of that too, that men also can go through this, or if they're highly stressed. Again, stress could affect men's libido and sex drive too. If they're mm-hmm. stressed at work and they're trying to do all the stuff and coming home and they're helping out and they're stressed out, for sure it could affect their libido Yeah, and their sex drive. And then they could feel a whole bunch of shame around that too. They may be going through their own, like, what's wrong with me? But the partner may not even know he's going through that, right? So he's dealing with his own internal war too, doesn't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, go back to not talking because if he hasn't been talked about his emotions before, I'm not going to tell my wife that I'm struggling. Like, right. I don't have a sex drive. That'd be weird. I don't want to be seen as weak. So then maybe he's going through his own stuff in his head. And then that, mm-hmm. again, creates a wedge because he's not inviting his partner in to see him, to see where he's at. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's feeling hurt because she didn't want sex. And he's like, what, this used to work. And now it's not. And then he, again, internalizes it, like you said. And then I'm rejected and I'm hurt. And, what's wrong with me? And so then it, it, it's all about lack of communication. It always comes back to communication. Every time a couple's in my office, it's always a lack of communication. And not just that, having appropriate communication. Right. Like neutral. Neutral. Yeah. Right. Like neutral and like position to hear one another and not to defend. And this is a really tricky, like when we've got all of these emotions or these perceptions wrapped up in this, right? Like it can become really heated. Quickly, quickly. Mm-hmm. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 
and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the things that you were mentioning brought up in my mind, like this idea of comparison, because I don't think, as you said, when we're preparing for birth, we're not preparing for like our relationship to go through an entire like change and adjustment. Right. And I think that when our sex life like wavers or changes, Mm. we don't think that like, is everybody else's? Is this normal? What is the frequency of other people's sex life? So I see a lot, and a question comes in my polls a lot about how frequently people are having sex. And so so we compare our sex lives and like the frequency of our sex to others. Mm -hmm. And I think that we also compare our postpartum sex lives to our previous sex life before kids. Right. And I think that like those aren't fair comparisons to ourselves before kids because it's an entirely different jungle we're living in now. And two, like when we're comparing to others in their relationship, like are they also postpartum? Are they in the same stage of parenthood that we're in? And like there's so many other factors that underpin this that it's really about you getting on the same page with your partner. What is the frequency of intimacy that we can work towards that we are comfortable with? Yeah. And as you had said, like intimacy isn't just like sex and intercourse either. Like what can that look like that feels good for both of you, Mm -hmm. even if it's like emotional or like naked cuddles with no expectation for sex or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Get off social media. The comparison, that's a joke, but seriously get off social media because that's the problem. People and parents, 
we see what's on social media, and you immediately go to compare. Mm. And often that comparison is often something must be wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And then we try to keep up with some expectation, like you said, that we don't, yeah, I don't know the actual person's story. We don't know what's really going on for them, but we assume, we make this assumption that we're the same. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to often a negative prescription of self, which that just creates turmoil. Yeah. <laughs> so just stop comparing. And I love what you said. Where are we? Who cares where anyone else is at? Who cares what your Instagram person you follow is at? Who cares? I don't care where they are because that's not you. Mm -hmm. Where are you? What are your needs? What's your current struggle? What is your current victories? Where are you in your healing journey? Where are you in your emotional journey? Where are you with your kids? And that's the other thing. We, as parents, we compare all the time. Well, their kids are doing that. They're sleeping through the night. What's wrong with me? My kid's not sleeping through the mm -hmm. night. You hear it. Like, what's wrong? I can't get my kid to take a nap and their kid's sleeping all day. Yeah. Or my kid has colic. Why don't they? What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, where are you and what do you need? And where are you in your journey as a parent, as a couple, as a family? Because that is unique. And okay, you might be able to relate to others. Yes. And you might feel, actually find some hope in others that are more similar to you, right. which is different. That's not comparing. That's actually trying to find and seek a support system and support. And can someone relate to what I'm going through so I don't feel so alone in this, which is not comparing. That's actually looking and finding for, hey, maybe I can learn from others and feel that someone else knows what I'm going through. Yeah. That's what I think is more helpful. No comparison. It's like, no, where are we? What works for us? What makes sense for us now? And what would we eventually like to get to and know that this is where we are and we can only do what we can do. And maybe it is cuddling naked. Maybe it is just maybe it's massaging. Maybe it's other things where we can feel that closeness that works for us right now. And what works for us right now may be different that works for us tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That comes from yeah. checking in with each other. That always comes back to talking and hearing each other and saying, where are we? There's been times when we had plans to have sex. You know, it's different with you have three kids. You kind of have to have a little spontaneity is a little different post kids. I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest, right? When you're, yeah, you know, course pre-kids, it's like, pfft, whatever. You could be spontaneous, whatever the heck you want, right? It's like, well, not whatever the heck you want, but it's a little more free than just yeah. when you have kids around. But when you have kids, you're like, okay, well, now they could open the door. Now, I mean, the reality is yeah, they could open, they could walk out of the room. They could open the door now. My eldest is five, so he, five and a half, he could open the door. You know, I don't want to mm -hmm. scar him, right? So, but I but <laughs> traumatize him for life. Yeah, yeah. like I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll I'll talk to him about it, and like hopefully say, hey, buddy, it's normal, right? But I, you know, I don't, I'm avoiding that conversation. But I, okay, I lock the door. There's things now you have to do, and you have to have more little planning. Which for some people is like, well, that ruins everything. I have to plan it. It's like okay, but we have to realize maybe that's just where we are. Mm -hmm. Maybe the spontaneity was awesome. Maybe we can still be spontaneous, but it's a little different. And you can even plan it sometimes. And this happened for us. It was just a rough day and the kids aren't sleeping. And man, you both want it, but then you're just so exhausted. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know what? Like, I know we planned this today and we were looking forward to it, but man, today was just a day. Okay, let's just connect, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to have sex tonight. Let's just cuddle and just like doing that mm -hmm. and falling asleep. And we've done that before. Yeah. Because when we both were bummed, we both like, man, I'm bummed out. Like, I really want it, but like, I'm just, I'm so done right now. Mm -hmm. I still want to feel close to you. And so scratch back and we passed out. Like, yeah. But that's because we came from a conversation rather than like internalizing it and just being like trying to hold each other. It's like, we have to do it because we plan it. And it's like, we've had this on our mind all week, you know, whatever. And, but we had to kind of go with the flow and kind of call an audible and say, you know, like, I know let's, let's try again tomorrow night and that's okay. I love, I love you anyway. Like, 
I, we mm-hmm. both want this right now, but it was just a, it was a day with the kids, with this, with sleep. Yeah. And we're now it's nine o'clock at night. And now it's like, yep, let's try again tomorrow. And that's okay. Yeah. I think a part of this, I think about being a first time mom versus now a mom of three thinking yeah. like going through these changes, like, oh my gosh is this what our relationship is going to look like forever? Like, I Mm -hmm. think that as new parents, we really lack the perspective to know that these are like seasons that kind of like ebb and flow. And I think that the first year postpartum is like, you cannot take that as a new measurement for your baseline, right? Because there's so many things happening that you do start to reclaim some more independence and you do start to reclaim normal bedtimes and Sure, there's going to be mental loads and there's going to be exhaustion, Mm -hmm. but there's not going to be like a baby, you know, in the bed or in the room or attached to the bed and and you will find a groove again, right? I mean, gosh, that's first time parent. I mean, everything causes like stress. It's like everything. Yeah. Are my kids ever going to sleep? Is colic ever going to go away? I mean, there's so many like firsts that you just don't have the perspective because you just haven't done that. Mm -hmm. Once you're three kids in... Yep. You know what? You do find a new normal. They do eventually sleep a little better. I mean, it depends on variants. I mean, mm-hmm. but you know that it's taken a while, but we got to a place and then we had a second kid. And then you're like, then we start over and then the third, you start over. But you at least know, yeah, things do change. This is not forever. This is a season, but the season is a season and it's going to be different for everybody, but we still need to check in with this season and have perspective. Mm-hmm. And I would say with people that you do feel close with, that you have a support system with, that maybe other parents that are farther along, I think it is healthy to be able to check in and ask them some questions, especially if you're a first-time parent versus a third-time parent. Yeah. Be able to asking support of, hey, like being able to have that relationship where you can ask questions, knowing that they're not going to like say you must do this, but allowing perspective to come so you can be like, okay, I ain't crazy. Like, Mm. okay, it's okay to feel this way. Okay, there eventually will be an end to this, Mm -hmm. but that's going to come with having relationship with someone that you trust that maybe is a little farther along that can hear you, can listen to you and can validate, knows what it's like and can also give, you know what, it will eventually change. But I think because when you're there, though, you don't think that when you're there, especially in that first six months, if you're not sleeping, man, it's like a little cave bubble of just like, we're in survival mode. And if you're in survival mode, sometimes you can't think clearly, because you're just like, mm-hmm. I haven't slept in days, you know, and even that's a good reminder. I think we talked about the first episode is like, hey, just sometimes notice where you are. Like, yeah, we haven't slept in a couple, like literally at all. Have I fed myself today? Like, have I eaten? I had water. Like on the hierarchy of needs right now, like have I even like ingested food, you know? Have I gone to the bathroom? Right, I mean, basic stuff. I'm like, oh, maybe I should start there. And see, have I showered? Have you I know, showered in, like, and in a week? I mean, <laughs> like, right? Like, Am I covered in spit up? Do I feel sexy right now? Right. Like, there's all of those things, right? right? Yeah. And I think that, like, so a lot of moms will ask me, like, well, I've been cleared at my six week postpartum oh, yeah. appointment. Let that go. You know, this is a big thing. Or like, partners are like holding out for that six weeks postpartum oh, yeah. appointment, and like. Yeah. I'm curious your take on that or how to approach those conversations because I get the sense from uh, maybe not every mom in my community, I would say for sure, but like I do get messages about like there being pressure for sex, you know, and whether that pressure is coming from we feel it ourselves Mm -hmm. as like, uh, I feel guilty that, you know, I'm not showing up in this way or whether it's actually like external pressure, but approaching that conversation yeah. How do you approach that with couples? Yeah. So I think that that would still go back down to, I think pressure because it's probably whether it's one or both wanting to get back to like a somewhat of a mm-hmm. regular sex life. It could be the mom who's like, I'm ready, mm-hmm. but then 
like mentally one spot, but like physically not, or the dad, because he's like, it's been a while, you know, and maybe that's how he's felt connected, but it's all going to come back to not having a conversation again. Right. Because all that clearing is, and you could speak to this, I mean, from what I know, I mean, all that's doing, that's just a medical clearance. Right. Like your stitches have dissolved. Like, yeah, that's Maybe, it. depending on how your delivery was, right? But it's like, you know what? Okay, everything's clear. There's no, the stitches of all looks clean, like, you know, healed, whatever. But that's about it. They're not looking at hormone checks. They're not checking emotional. They're not checking, are you sleeping? They're just literally, it's looking at like the physical repair mm-hmm. and or healing that's it right right not even the scar tissue not even the pain not even, not nope, even the like nope. are you done bleeding post nope. like there's so many it's just like like you said a physical like your incision yep, that's it is now healed that's yeah. it there's nothing else examined it's literally a physical check okay everything looks good so the clear is like in one hand yeah but there's like 90 percent of what does that actually even mean? And again, mm-hmm. it's going to come back to conversation, whether it's the individual, the mother, understanding where am I really? Because she might have expectations where she should be, mm-hmm. I think, right? Because I should be better. It's my doctor clear. I think there's also moms that think that too. It's like, they, yeah, like put that pressure on themselves. Yeah. They cleared me, but why is it not working? They said I'm clear. And so again, I think it's a lack of under, like the holistic understanding. And then the dad who maybe he may not get it. Mm-hmm. And gosh, there's so many parents that don't talk about stuff like that that don't go to like hey am i healing or not they don't they don't have a conversation around that for various reasons and it's so interesting because as you're like explaining it like this and i think back to couples that i've worked with what i really hear in these moments is that both partners just want time with each other so badly and like you know mom or if it's mom or maybe dad feels guilty like sometimes it's dads who are like nervous So like they don't want to hurt mom. Yeah. So it can, it can come from both directions. Yep. But I think that really when we stop and see what's at the core of it, it's like, I remember feeling really guilty. I remember feeling like I wanted time with my husband, yeah. you know, and feeling like I knew that he wanted time. Yeah. And I, like, was I the hinge on why we weren't having time? Yeah. And, and there's a lot with that. But at the core of it, we wanted time with each other. Yeah. And I think that if we like also just sort of burst the myth that like intimacy is only physical. Like I think that one of the big things also is emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. and finding ways to be teammates through this big adjustment and having somebody in the trenches with you creates and solidifies a bond that is more than just physical Mm -hmm. and how you can, you know, invest in each other in that Mm -hmm. way as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love the in the trenches. That's often my wife and I say that to each other. Like we're in the trenches. Yeah. Which clues us into maybe where we are mentally, emotionally, physically. And it brings in the empathy, the grace, the understanding. Because often you really are. I think most couples have some level of the trenches with that newborn or newborns, Mm -hmm. you know. And the teamwork is so key. Mm -hmm. And I think if men feel as part of a team, I think, they tend to do better. And if they have a job, if they feel like they can contribute, I think sometimes two men just don't know what to do with this. And so they don't, they don't know how to have the conversation. So they get stuck too, because they're used to fixing mm-hmm. things. I can't fix this. I mean, there's another common thing I see with men. I can't fix this. Mm-hmm. I can't change this. Now, what do I do? I feel helpless here. Mm-hmm. But if we come to that teamwork place that we're in this together, we're in the trenches, it's like, okay, I can help here and and learning to expand my view of intimacy and knowing that, yeah, maybe my primary way is some level of physical connection. Well, how else can you have physical connection without actual sex? Mm-hmm. 
Because there are other ways to have that physical intimacy needs met. So in terms of like pulling this all sort of together and thinking about wrapping up and putting in some practical pieces, I think that practically speaking for the first year of postpartum, we didn't have any rigid expectations because yeah. everything is ever changing. <laughs> yeah. Sleep is changing. Yeah. Yeah. Kids' milestones are changing. Everything is changing. And so like when you can find the time or when you can make the time, that's great. And when you can't, it's like as a season, it's we're in the trenches. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then beyond that postpartum period, something that has worked well and I've heard from couples and my husband and I have, have adopted is like choosing, okay, it's not as spontaneous. It's maybe not as exciting and sexy, <laughs> but like choosing days yeah. that we're just going to like show up, whether you're in the mood or not, right. or like whatever, let's commit to being with each other, whether yes. we're going to have a conversation or whether it's going to evolve yeah. into something more mm-hmm. like we're committed to be there with each other. Yeah. And knowing, I think for myself, knowing that like, and working with a lot of moms, knowing that you might not spontaneously be aroused or spontaneously desire sex because you're so exhausted and you might have to actually like work to get into the mood Mm -hmm. or like intentionally come into it with that mindset. Mm -hmm. But if you like protect the time and carve the space, not always with the intention of having sex, but just like the time and investment in each other, I don't know, you've just carved out some space to like nurture that intimacy, like depending on regardless of what it is, however it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. And actually, I mean, the Gottmans, you know, John Gottman talks a lot about that. That's a classic, one of the big life stressor changes for couples is first time parent, becoming parent. Yeah. And that could be very detrimental to a lot of couples because what tends to happen is baby takes a lot of space, baby takes a lot of resources, baby takes a lot of priorities. Mm -hmm. And then the couples tend to forget to invest in each other and kind of get stuck in the roles of survival, the mom, dad, and then the, the, their relationship tends to kind of slowly deteriorate because it has been a priority. And again, generalizing, but this is one main thing Gottman saw in his research. And so part of what he says is, yeah. how do we have intentional time together weekly, at least? Mm-hmm. It may not be for sex, but at least it's intentional time of connecting, even if it's like 30 minutes at night, because sometimes it's all you have because you're so tired. But at least it's like, you know what? It's saving space for my partner to invest in our relationship. Mm-hmm. It might be just talking and connecting. It might be sharing a laugh. It might be having a date in the home because you can't afford a babysitter or you're, you have a three-month-old, so you're not leaving your three-month-old with anyone. So, right. Or it's watching a movie or it's cuddling or maybe it is trying for sex. Maybe it is something else more intimate in that sense, but it's that mental space of investing because our relationship needs to be a priority mm-hmm. as well as with our kids, as well as with ourselves. And, you know, there's been times too, and I think for couples that they may go in not wanting sex, but then it ends up, yeah, they end up because it changes, something happens yeah. and it ends up, but it's the intention of I'm intending to show up for my partner to be intentional with them where they are for them as they are for me. Mm-hmm. Because if you go for them and they are for you, you're going to have some level of needs in that because you're for each other. Again, it goes back to the team. If we're trying to connect, if you're for each other, mm-hmm. you both are going to have your needs met because you're trying to meet each other's needs. Yeah. If you're really trying to be curious where they are and they are for you, mm-hmm. it's a positive loop. Whether it leads to sex or just having a conversation, it's going to fill that part of your relationship cup up. Which carries over to the next day, for the week, for the month, because all those little things are investing in your relationship, because that's actually most important, because that affects your kids. Yeah. I so appreciate your time today. Where do you hang out online? Where can men, dads, partners, moms, where can they learn from you and your resources? On the Instagram, it's therapy for dads, the number four. 
also the podcast, same name, and I have a link tree on that. You could find me. And then I have a YouTube channel as well where I do a little bit longer form content. That's actually my name, just youtube.com forward slash Travis Goodman. But that's kind of where I am currently. That's the best place to find me. We'll make sure to link to all of that in the show notes. And I appreciate your time and you being here with us today. Thanks for having me on, Erica. It's been a pleasure. I know for so many of you, this is one of those invisible loads that we didn't know we were signing up for or we were prepared for before having baby. The change that our relationship goes through. As if our identity changing and entering this role didn't come with enough grief and loss, but our relationship shifts and changes too. It can be really difficult to navigate on our own, especially if we're not talking about it with others and know that this is actually more common than we might realize. Our therapists offer relational support, either individually or as a couple, to help you process through the changes that have happened in your relationship and how to use this experience to grow together rather than grow apart. If you're interested to learn more about how we can help you with relationship support, head to happyasamother.co slash wellness. That's happyasamother.co slash wellness. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by the parenting translator, Dr. Kara Goodwin, to help us understand our babies and children's temperament. You do not want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast. To join the Happy as a Mother VIP list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to happyasamother.co slash newsletter. Until next episode, Mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing an amazing job.